This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, it's so great to be back in the evening. Gordon and I can't wait to chat with you. We'll discuss a bunch of stuff next. Join us at 1-800-919-3776. Also be a Twitter at Gordon Damer, at, Larry, at Hardesty ESPN, at... ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM along with Tom Bauer and Jake the Snake. We're here until 10 on 98.7 ESPN New York. Hi Gordon. Larry, you know we have a very special relationship, right? Yes, we do. And we enjoy each other's company at any time of the day. Yes, we do. But I think you'd have to say, and and please correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. I like seeing you much more at this time of the day than what we were previously doing, and I think that you probably feel the same about me. I like seeing myself better at this time of the day. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing to do with you. I like how I look much better. Gordon, can I tell you something honestly? Yeah. You know what happened to me, right? No. Three o'clock this morning, I woke up. Oh, no, that's always the worst. You wake up in a panic. You still think you're doing that early shift. Oh, that's the worst. And then you can't, you know, that that hot blood circulates throughout your body in the first couple of seconds. Then you can't can't calm down after that. Then go back to sleep till four or five, Gordon. (laughs) Monte got up and done the show. Yeah, well. No, no, no. No, it's all right. You're better off. Just stay, you know, no matter how long it takes. Yeah. I'll get back to normal. I'll get back to normal. But look, let's say this officially. We had a lot of fun in the morning. Absolutely. It was great. The producers were great. Staff was great. Everybody was great. It's just better in the evening for us. It just works with our lifestyles. Yeah, it does. Nighttime is the right time. Exactly. You know, if you're a sports fan, you're you're a night person, right? I mean, it's very hard to be a sports fan and get up. At that time of the day. It now is. look, it, that's the that's you know part of drive time. That's where Absolutely. you you know if you're in radio, that's where you, you make your be. money. But that's where you want to be. You know, if you're just uh, talking to a couple of guys who like talking about sports, uh, this is a much better, more conducive time to do that. And I tell you, I got to tell you, Tom and Jake have never looked better. Oh, <laughs> I kiss them right on the forehead, both of them. <laughs> well, Gordon, let's see if since you're in a kissing mood, maybe yeah. you're in a pretty good mood. The Yankees made some moves today. And I, I, I'm curious to hear how you think of them, especially the one with Oakland, because I know who you wanted. Is this a, a, a is this an okay consolation prize? Well, look, it's almost kind of like the Benatendi move, right? Like, yes. is it an upgrade over what you had? I don't think anybody can argue that it's an upgrade over what you had. Uh, now, is it the best move that was out there to be made? I don't think anybody can argue that this was the best player available during this year's trade deadline. And as I brought up on Saturday, and a lot of people push back on it because that was right after the Luis Castillo deal came down. If we're all in agreement, Larry, that Mm -hmm. this year's Yankee goal has to be win the World Series. And if we're all in agreement that the best pitcher that's been available at the trade deadline this year was Luis Castillo, to me, I'm not just going to pay what it costs to get that guy. If I have to overpay... Well, then I have to overpay. Now, Frankie Montas is a good pitcher. I'm not telling you he's going to be terrible. I'm not telling you that because they got him instead of Luis Castillo, the Yankees can't win the World Series. I'm not even saying that if the Yankees got the World Series, that, uh, if the Yankees got Luis Castillo, that they definitely won the World Series. But I don't think anybody can disagree that the best pitcher that's been moved, best starting pitcher 
that has been moved before this year's trade deadline was Luis Castillo. And not only did the Yankees not get him, he went to a team that they might very well be facing in the playoffs. Now, according to uh, Michael Kay, uh, there was a possibility that, and I know this is going to, I'm, I'm bracing myself because I know how you feel about this, that Volpe was part of that deal for Cincinnati and the Yankees did want to give up on him. What are your thought process there? Because I know how you feel about draft, about choice, uh, you know, draft choices and stuff like that. Look, Volpe might turn out to be great. I've read that he's going to be a superstar. The Yankees certainly think he's going to be a superstar, but I've also read that the Nationals are not really all that enamored because they view him as being someone who might be a good player but not a great player. So that's why things haven't really gotten off the ground in terms of Juan Soto and the Yankees. So I don't know what he will turn out to be. Maybe he will turn out to be all the things that the Yankee fans and the Yankees think that he's going to be. But again... Whenever he comes up and whenever he plays in the major leagues, that's down the road. What's the goal for the Yankees right now? Is it to, to just be a good team again this year and get into the playoffs and hope for the best? Or is it to be the team that ends up winning the World Series? To me, it, it, it's crystal clear. We all can agree that that's the goal this year. And so for me, sometimes you have to deals, you have to make deals that make you uncomfortable, right? Sometimes you have to give up something you don't really want to give up. Like, I'm sure the year the Cubs won the World Series, they probably didn't want to give up Glaber Torres in that Mm-mm. deal for Chapman. But they nope. did, and they have not complained about it a single day since. So uh, I know everybody's going to tell, oh, you're crazy. I had people call me up on Sat, oh, you're crazy. You don't know how good Volpe's going to be. Well, the problem is I've been hearing about Yankee prospects, Larry, for years. Mm-hmm. For years, I heard about Jesus Montero. Oh, my God, Larry. Jesus Montero is going to be – he was not just the best prospect in the Yankee organization. He was considered the best prospect in baseball. Mm. So you never know with these guys. And even if he does turn out to be everything you think that he might be, I know what Luis Castillo is, and I know that Luis Castillo, unless some you know shocking deal comes down tomorrow for some starting pitcher, he's going to be the best guy that was available this year, and the Yankees did not pay the price that was necessary. They made nice moves. They made okay moves. We'll see how they play out. But they didn't go out and get the best options available. And to me, when your goal is set so high and the, the, the margin to improve is so low, to me, you pay the extra price. You pay what's necessary to get the player, and I think that they missed out. I really enjoyed your show Saturday. I was uh, in the car, mm-hmm. and I happened to come in on a conversation with you and Pat. It was that the guy who was yelling at me that I was a moron. Yes, that guy. Okay, all right. And and you have to be was, a little bit more specific. There's a lot of people who say, "No, no yes, I, I remember the call now." Yes. Yeah. No. I, no. But he was for me. He was. He was. Uh, he was. <laughs> he was passionate because he's one of the few Yankee fans I've heard that didn't seem like it was World Series was the priority for him. No. Yeah. It seemed that, like that was it was problem I had, sustainable yeah. success was okay. And right. It led to a discussion that I had yesterday with a couple of callers about, you know, sustainable success in World Series. And most of the folks that I spoke with, hey, sustainable success is nice if the World Series comes along with it. (laughs) Well, look, there are organizations where sustainable success is is the goal, right? But the Yankees aren't that organization. Right. If the Pirates could have some sustainable success, I'm sure the Pirate fan would be would be very happy. And maybe the Tampa Bay Rays fans are very happy that their teams sustainable success. That was the problem that I had. Look, you can argue 
about whether or not it's too much to pay to give up your best prospect for somebody like uh, Luis Castillo. That's a fair point. You, we can argue both sides. But mm-hmm. the issue I had with him was he said, well, the Yankees, it's not about winning the World Series. They're winning 90 games every single year. N- nobody anywhere that I know of that's a Yankee fan considers that a success, to win 90 games every single year if you're not winning a championship. And even the, own, the, the Yankee general manager has said in the past mm-hmm. it's not about winning a championship it's about winning championships and you know just this whole approach that the Yankees have had this uh this go around and it feels like more recently it feels like the goal with the Yankees is to be good for a long period of time and not so much to be great at any specific period of time mm, that's interesting and that's weird that, that's something I'm sure as a Yankee fan you're not used to seeing you're used to and, we, and once again we've had this conversation Gordon we know right now, there's no question, if, and we, and we hate to say this, but we'll put an asterisk on it because we know he's not here, he's passed on. It's just different with father than son, right? Son seems to be more fiscally in tune with things, right? He, he's looking, Hal's looking at, okay, how much do I have to go before I have to pay taxes and luxury tax and all this, the penalties and all this other stuff. And to a certain extent, I think, Gordon, that the, the success of the, uh, you know, consistently talented and postseason driven Tampa Bay Rays has kind of cost has kind of changed his mindset in a way to say, well, listen, they're not spending all this money and they're having sustainable success. As a matter of fact, they're going further in the playoffs than we are and look at how much we're spending. So I don't know. I think that's kind of Gordon, I think that's kind of changed his attitude to the point of, okay, look at how much I'm spending here. This for what I'm spending, I should be getting more for my buck. Well, look, I, as a guy who grew up with the Steinbrenner, you know, the, the Steinbrenner years, the late 70s, the, the 80s, the good, the bad, there's no approach that's the right approach all the time. So there were plenty of times where George's approach of we have to win now, win at any cost, trade away whoever you have to get to get this guy or that guy. A lot of time, and there's a good portion of the Yankee fan base who doesn't realize this, George ran the team into the ground. Yeah. He was disaster. When he got suspended, Yankee fans celebrated because he had taken an organization that he helped win. Uh, you know, his 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 uh, ownership helped win a couple of World Series almost right away. He had taken that organization and made them the punchline. They were they were what the Knicks were a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Like they were like the punchline. All oh, the Yankees and Steinbrenner, all those type of things. So that wasn't the right approach all the time. But it almost feels like there's been an overcorrection to such a degree that now you never go for it, right? Like yeah. now, now it's never like we're all in on this one single season. It's just about let's stay good. Like I hear it from Yankee fans. Like they made trades today, and one of the things people are bringing up. Well, you know, they, these guys are controllable for the next few years. <laughs> what do you care if their con- their, their salary is controllable? Is it the best player you could get? Does it does it increase the odds of you winning this year? If it doesn't, well, and if there were other options that were available, then to me they weren't the best deals. Right, you're right. Oh boy, that's scary. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. We'll take your phone calls. Also, uh, both local teams are in action tonight, Gordon. And this is uh, you know for the Mets. This is an interesting interesting series because it's Washington. You got Max Scherzer against this former team on the Hill tonight. Uh, and, you know, unlike the Yankees, they really haven't done a lot. And I'm a little – I know we have all day tomorrow. Yes. Gordon, I'm getting a little concerned. Of course, tomorrow my focus is going to be on Jacob deGrom. Obviously, it's his maiden appearance this season. So I'll be looking forward to that. But I'm also wondering if they're going to get a bat or – 
are they looking at how they the Mets hit against the Marlins and say we don't need a bat? Relax, it's the Marlins. Okay, remember that. And of course, Gordon, there's a big five game series with Atlanta at the end of this week. So my eyes are on the Mets. So we'll discuss that. We'll also a little later we'll talk some football. Uh, we'll talk about the Jets, the Giants, and Gordon. I didn't get a chance to talk talk to you, but I don't have to talk to you to know how shocked you were when the Deshaun Watson information, the decision came down today. Yeah, um, I'm sure that got a lot of reaction from people. It seemed like people on Twitter were uh, reacting to it. It it did kind of seem like it was trending in that direction, that it was going to be fewer games rather than more games. I think the over-under, in my mind, was like eight games. Right. Um, and, That's and where was I going to be more than that or less than that. And uh, when the news came down, even though I was somewhat prepared for it to be less than that, it's still like reading the stories and seeing it really put out there. It's still kind of it's still kind of jarring to me. Well, what jarred to me, Gordon, was the comments you made a couple of weeks ago about what the player received the penalty for betting. Yeah, right. Calvin Ridley out for the season. <laughs> As opposed to this. Right. I, I I don't know what to say. We'll take your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. Definitely excited. You know, like you said, it's been a long time. You know, this has been a pretty slow process of coming back. So excited to be out there. Nerves haven't really set in yet, but, you know, I'm sure Tuesday I'll be pretty nervous and I have a feeling it's going to feel like my debut. So I'm definitely excited, though. Gordon, that's the voice of Jacob DeGrom. Yes, I can say his name now because he's about to step on the mound for the first time this season in the Major League game against the Washington Nationals, who have just taken a one nothing lead off Max Scherzer and the Mets. It's Hardesty and Damer on ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN. And Gordon, it was, a, it was a walk to Soto and an RBI double, probably an error on the throw by... Uh, Bell, who I would like to see in the other uniform. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's one guy you'd like to see, right? And I can understand uh, a Met fan feeling a little anxious seeing all these trades go down today. It was quiet, really, up until today, but you see these deals go down, and then with the Castillo move being made over the weekend, things are starting to heat up. So I can understand. Look, we have talked about it for weeks, and the expectation is clear. The Mets have to add pieces before the trade deadline. I think they will, but I can understand as a Met fan, you know, this team's go, this guy's going here, that guy's going there. Now, I don't think there's been anybody that's gone though that you wanted. But whenever, whenever other teams are making trades and your team really hasn't done anything of significance just yet, uh, I can understand a little anxiousness. There's a little anxiousness, Gordon. I, I I'm confident in my GM, but you know. Um... You know, Trey Mancini, who wasn't, I think, a ma- once again, we talked about it once they made the trade last week mm-hmm. for another outfielder. You figured that Trey Mancini wasn't going to be in the mix anymore for the Mets. And then he goes to Houston, which is, mm-hmm. I wasn't wasn't expecting that. Uh, but, you know, Houston's like, listen, he's going down to Houston, Gordon, he's going to hit 300. <laughs> Everybody Probably. that goes to Houston, <laughs> they improve. They improve. So, you know, for right now, tomorrow's a big day. You know, you want to see what the Mets do for, with, with trades, and also you want to see what Jacob DeGrom is able to do out there. And then, depending on his outing, no matter what it is, no matter how far he goes, then it's the uh, the the fear of what happens Wednesday. Is he okay? Was there any – was there soreness? Whatever happens. But for right now – you got to be a little excited if you're a Met fan for the possibility of seeing your one-two in action for the first time this year. Yeah, this is the, this is the way you drew it up, right? 
uh, when when the, uh, it was announced that Max Scherzer was going to the Mets, you, oh my God, we got Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom, Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer, and here we are on August first, and we've not seen both of them in the rotation at the same time. So, yeah, a, as big a day as it is tomorrow, trade deadline. It's very hard considering the Met expectations, considering where they are in the standings, considering the type of player that DeGrom is, finally getting him back in the rotation for the first time in more than a calendar year, that there could really be anything more important than the trade deadline, considering what the expectations have been that the Mets are going to add relievers and a, and a bat. But Jacob DeGrom's return is something that's bigger than even that. So it's, yeah, it's interesting it's, that it comes on the same day. It is interesting, Gordon. is like adding another player. <laughs> it, is. it is. And look, when it was the Wilpons, that would have been your trade deadline oh. acquisition, right? That, well, it's like we're making a trade for a two-time Cy Young Award winner by getting Jacob DeGrom back in the, uh, in the rotation. But no, I think, uh, I think it's, it, it's still safe to say the Mets are going to make a big move. I don't know if it's J.D. Martinez. I don't know if it's Josh Bell. Uh, maybe Wilson Contreras. I don't know who it's going to be, but I do expect that tomorrow by, what is it, 6 o'clock, the Mets will mm-hmm. have a big move. Today's the Yankee day. Tomorrow mm-hmm. is the Met day. It's going to be exciting, Gordon, to be on tomorrow night and be able to respond to all these trades. Right away, yeah. Where people are going and hear people, you know, chat about it and how they feel about these trades and everything else. It's, it's going to be fascinating. Let's hear some more from Jacob DeGrom, who said he tried to stick to the plan after his early setbacks. After I did it, it didn't take long to feel good. That's where it was, you know, kind of an interesting thing of trying not to do too much. So, you know, it was constant contact with these guys and and tried to stick with the plan and not move too fast. And we looked at why we thought it happened with a quick ramp up. So, you know, played it safe by taking extra days and making sure that everything was where we wanted it. You know, that way there were no setbacks in this process. And Gordon, he feels ready to go. He'll tell you that in a second. Feels ready to go. You know, I feel really good. So, you know, throughout the rehab process, felt good. You know, had a couple little minor things where we took an extra day, but, you know, that was just making sure everything was where it needed to be. And, you know, I'm confident, you know, that everything's healed and it felt good throughout the whole process. Uh, Before we get your comment on that, Gordon, uh, go ahead. You can yell. Yes, a little Anthony Rizzo ding-dong. Yankees 3-0 lead on the Mariners. It's always nice to see. One of the few left-hand bats in the lineup, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's almost rare these days when it's a Yankee home run and it's not Aaron Judge. That's right. It feels That's like right. every day now it's Aaron Judge. I mean, is he putting together the best contract year? Oh, man. You got to go. Yeah, I don't know who else would have a Who else would like even this? be in that conversation? I mean, oh. if if he ends up hitting... 62 home runs in a contract year? I mean, that would have to go down as the greatest contract year in the history of, of North American sports. No question. It would have to. I, I can't think of one better. And, and what a great time to have it, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, talk about betting on yourself, man. He, he yeah, hit it he at long it. odds. And uh, speaking of that home run, it, it, it clocked a kid in the head out. <laughs> Out wow. in the he instead of trying to grab it, he put his head down and like covered up and then somebody went to grab it. It ricocheted off that guy's hand and right into the kid's head. I think everybody's fine. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah, I'm, serious I'm sure everybody's injury. I wouldn't okay. be laughing. Of course. At least not. not on the air. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Gordon, uh, as far as DeGrom is concerned, yeah, we're, everybody's looking forward to seeing what he's going to be able to do. And, you know, it would be it would be. And I know you get tired of hearing me say this, but I'm just going to say it again anyway, Gordon. It would be a healthy piece of confidence uh, for the team, obviously, 
But, Gordon, it gives you some relief. I mean, <laughs> the Braves just won't go away, Gordon. No, they're, and they're, they're not going to. Around. I know. Look, it, it's I know going to not. depend on how you play against them. Uh, yeah. You know, the last time you played them, you, you, you controlled it quite well. I think you are the better team, assuming that you add a, a big piece tomorrow uh, mm-hmm. and, and you get Jacob DeGrom back. You know, with DeGrom, it's just going to be – it's not just about tomorrow. Yeah. It's going to be every start, Every man. start. You're right. Every start. Like, you would probably – how many starts did he make in 2020, the shortened year? Because, like, how many starts is he going to have the rest of this year? Like, 15 starts throughout the postseason? Uh, that, is it more than that? Is it tw- How many would he project to have? I would say... Say, like, 20? If you, I, if you go yeah. to the World Series and win it, yeah, he would have to make 20 starts. When was the I last time so. he was able to go 20 starts in a row without having an issue? Know. It would have to be 2019. Had to be. It would have to be. And I don't think he'll get 20, Gordon, because I think they'll skip him a few. Probably. So, let's say it like it's, like, 17 starts mm-hmm. in a row... No issues. Yeah. You know, how confident are you of that? Because that's the goal. It's not, it's, it's not about coming back, and it's not even about pitching well during the regular season. The Mets, not to the same extent, but it's not really about winning the division. It's about having these two guys atop the rotation into the postseason and, and who's going to beat them in a playoff series when they have right. four games that they can have these two monsters on the mound. Yes. So that's what it's really about, and it, it's tough to – Look, I'm sure Met fans are confident because things have gone well and it feels like this year is the year. But just as an outsider, 17 starts in a row from Jacob deGrom after the amount of time that he has missed. I don't know. And it doesn't even when he's been coming back, it always feels like there's a little maybe it's a hypersensitivity because he's been out so long. But mm-hmm. it feels like every little while, oh, well, he had this thing. We're going to push it back a day. He's got the calf. It was no big deal. But we're mentioning it for some reason. I don't know. It. Um, it, it, it's not – tomorrow is just the start of it. That's right. Like, you've waited to get – that, but that's just the starting line. It's mm-hmm. not the finish line. No, Usually you come back from this type of injury, the, the return is the finish line. This is just the starting gate. No, it's every – like you said, it's every start and the day after every start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not just the start. It's the day after every start to make sure, is he okay? Uh, is he going to have to miss the start? What happened? Is he gonna... And then the question becomes – and it always becomes with certain athletes, Gordon – and and it's just because of their competitive nature. Is he does once he's out there? Is he going to be honest with you if he's got a little twinge? You know what I mean? Is mm-hmm. he going to be? Is he going to feel that he can? No, I can fight through it. I know. Will he say to himself, "Well, it's a little soreness. I haven't thrown. It's just a little soreness. It'll be okay." Is he going to? Is he going to be honest to say, "Okay, listen, it's not right." I need to. I need to. I need to move a start. Let, let me skip a day or flip flop with somebody or something like that. That's my concern because there's one question and one comment that he made that I still have my eyebrows raised about, and I'll share that with you next. It's ESPN New York tonight, early edition on 98.7 ESPN. Anything changed with the plan to opt out since we last asked you? Yeah, it's still the same. So, Gordon, (laughs) here's a man who hasn't made a start yet, right? Hasn't made a start. And when asked if you still plan to opt out, he says nothing's changed. Gordon, could you, and this is, once again, he's entitled to say whatever he wants to say. I'm not trying to edit him. I'm not trying to bully him. I'm not trying to, you know, tell him what to do. As a fan, it would have been nice to hear 
I'm not worried about that right now. I'm just trying to get back on the mound. Yeah, I mean, is it possible that that is what he's saying without saying it? Because he had a position that he's had before, uh, and that's not his focus, you would think, right now. So is it possible that he's just sticking to whatever the company line was before and he's trying to shut it down as quickly as possible? Because if he says anything more, if he gives a little bit of wiggle room in terms of what he said before and any change at all, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be more and more questions. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure the last thing he wants is more questions. So is it possible he's just answering it in that way to shut down any possibility of further questions? I hope so. I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt. But for me, it sounds like, well, nothing's changed. But something's changed. You haven't pitched. (laughs) That's what's changed. So you can't say nothing's changed. You haven't been on the mound. So, yeah, it's – why? That's why for me, for clarity, and once again, he can say what he wants to say. And, and, and it's not like he's saying, oh, yeah, I want my money. <laughs> it's not like that. But it just seems, Gordon, it's just, you haven't pitched yet. I mean, can you just, you know, like I said, it could be just me, but I would have felt much better, much better hearing, I'm not focused on that right now. I'm trying to get on the mound. I'm yeah, because that should be the only focus right now. Yeah, that's get, what I want Get on the mound and stay on the mound, right? Yeah. I mean, like, who cares what happens after the season? Because, I mean, the season is wide open right now, right? The Mets could get in the playoffs and be out right away because Jacob deGrom got hurt. They could go all the way to the World Series and win it this year. I mean, there's a wide range of outcomes come October. So anybody who's fo- – to me, it's almost like the judge stuff, right? Like, they keep yes. asking about his contract. I, yes. I, why would I possibly care about his contract right now? I get it. People are asking, hoping that they'll get that, you know, they'll get that Marley Rivera moment, right? Mm -hmm, Like all mm -hmm. of a sudden he says something. We got more content to fill in terms of that angle. I have never gotten the sense from fans, and I don't know because I don't, I'm not surrounded by Met fans as much as Yankee fans. I have never gotten the sense from Yankee fans that they truly care about Judge's contract right now. They want him to be here. They want that to be solved whenever it's time to solve. They were upset when it didn't get worked out before the season. But while the season has been going on, I've not gotten the sense from Yankee fans of, oh, man, they, they, ha- they, they better sign him as, at the first available. T-, you know, I, I've, I've not gotten that, that sense. It's much more about the Astros. It's much more about the playoffs. It's much more about the World Series. It's been about the trade deadline. So I don't know. Are Met fans concerned about DeGrom going someplace? Is that, a, a, is that like a top three concern right now? No. The top concern is Willie Pitch. Right. That, that, I would think that that would have to be numbers concern. one, two, and three. Yeah, that, that's the top three. There's no question. That's the top three concerns. But since you mentioned it, because <laughs> I don't even think people even remember that he was talking about opting out at the end of the year because he hasn't pitched, Yeah. right? So it would be more so, okay, you understand Judge and people reacting that way because, Gordon, every time he comes up with the, putting Max Scherzer aside, the one bad game, every time he's come up, he's been, Gordon, he's been Michael Jordan for this team. Mm-hmm. He, he's been the star of this show. He's been he's been the lead Beatle. He's been the lead singer of the of, of the band. He's hit home run. He's had big hits. He's come up in big spots. He's made big catches. He took a home run away over the weekend. I mean, he's been phenomenal. So as a Yankee fan, I would be like, I might not say it, but I'm hoping to myself, like, God, we can't let this guy go. Yeah. The, the, the Yankees have got to sign him. Maybe I'm not saying it outside, Gordon, but I, mm-hmm. every time he comes up and he gets a big hit, I'm like, Oh God, Cashman, you can't let this guy go. Yeah. Oh, look. In terms of the, the of the topic, 
I think every Yankee fan wants him back and wants him to stay here and all those type of things because he's yours and 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 he's been a superstar this year and he's he should be the AL MVP and all those things. So when the topic comes up, yes, Yankee fans want him to be back. I just don't get the sense like when the season while the Yankees are playing games that's something that anybody focus, you know, Aaron Judge comes up and hits a home run and the Yankees take the lead. To me, it's not about, oh, well, his contract's this, his contract's that. That's an issue for another day down the road. To me, it's right about about winning this game, winning the next game, winning the division, getting into the playoffs, winning the World Series, all those kind of things, and, and that's the larger focus. But, yeah, anytime that the conversation comes up about Judge's contract, I think every Yankee fan – Yankee fans aren't used to losing their franchise players no. to Mm-mm. some of the team. Mm-mm. I mean, the only time in my lifetime I think that it's happened has been, you know, that, that the Yankees wanted the, the player back was Cano. Mm-hmm. And he just got a crazy offer for someplace else, and I guess that is possible that that could happen this year with Judge. It could, it could, but but it's not. And I guess it would be similar to Cano, right? It would be years. Yeah, well, it would some be the team, years. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if some team were to, well, I think that that kind of gets back to the approach of the trade deadline, right? Like the Yankees when they go about trades. They have a price in mind to pay for this player or that target or whoever it is, and they're not going to really exceed what that level is. They're going to they're going to put their foot foot down. They're going to dig in their heels, and they're not going to overpay uh, based on whatever value that they have put on the the target that they want to acquire. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees have a, a number in mind with Aaron Judge, and they might have a little bit of wiggle room. But that they, their, their people have told them this is what he's going to be worth. This is the amount of years, and this is the amount of money as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would not shock me if you know if some team says we'll give Aaron Judge forty million dollars a season, even if it's only for seven years, that the Yankees might not match that. I, I don't know. I've, I'm, I'm going to stand firm in my belief, Gordon. My my belief is it's not going to be the money that they won't. They'll 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 shake their head. That it's going to be the years. I just believe it's because I don't believe that they will let him go unless it's a year's thing that he wants 10 years. And you're looking at, okay, what is year 30? What is age 37, 38, 39, and 40 going to be? And the scary thing is, Gordon, we don't know because we haven't seen an athlete like him. And I mentioned before, yo, Dave Winfield was a great athlete. Absolutely, Dave Winfield was a fantastic athlete. But what I'm talking about here is a guy who – is playing the outfield greatly. I mean, you could DH him. I mean, you could give him days off in his latter years. Gordon, he doesn't have to play in the outfield, right? He could mm-hmm. move to first base, so you could do something with him. But, you know, the, the question is going to become, okay, if he gives you – he's 30. If he gives you five, six years, Gordon, of prime, prime production, okay, in seven, eight, nine, are you are you willing to, to deal with – the, the, the drop-off that puts him at the DH? Or do you say, well, I mean, could, he, could the injuries come back, right? Sure. So, so th- these are the things that, you know, that fans have to understand that the Yankees are thinking about as well. Listen, the Yankees don't want to let him go. They want him on their budget, <laughs> clearly. But I'm, I'm just thinking for them, based on what happened after A-Rod, you saw a change, Gordon, what happened after A-Rod. You had Robinson Gano, who was younger than Judge. Am I right? Yeah. Was he younger than Judge when I'm he left? Sure, yeah, he yeah. was younger. Yeah, and he wouldn't give him. They wouldn't give him ten years. But I think they wouldn't give him ten years because of what had just had happened with A Rod. So it's like, well, we just saw. No, no, no. There's no way we're doing that. So I, I just think it's going to be a years thing. I'm not sure that it's going to be a uh, a money thing, but I could be wrong. 
I think that if I've always been of the belief that he will be back, that they'll get something worked out. Similar to remember the the whole hullabaloo about the uh, the arbitration this year, and oh my yes. gosh, he's going to leave. Um, he was uh, Cano was one year younger, so he was thirty. So he was going into his thirty one age season. Cano mm-hmm. uh, uh, judges thirty one right now, or is he going to be thirty one next year? I'll have to I check. Think on he's, that. I think he's thirty one right. Yeah, I thought so now. too. But. Um, you know, and, and, and I believe that he will be back, but I if he too. is not back, I think it's going to be because he was compl- he got a completely blown away offer mm-hmm. that is so far above and beyond what any reasonable team would have offered him. Almost yeah. like Cano, right? Like Cano yeah. got ten years, yeah. and and if he does leave, it'll turn out to be some sort of contract where when you first see it, you're like, your first word is wow. Not just about that he's not going to be back with the Yankees, but that the contract is just so outlandish that, you know, maybe it will kind of make sense to not sign that contract. Like, you know, yeah, it'll have to be, yeah. it'll almost be like, not to the same extent, but like when Trout's contract came out, you're like, whoa, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy amount of money. I don't think the Yankees are going to lose out on Aaron Judge over a million or $2 million a season or even an extra year or two. Uh, I right. think it's going to have to be that they just get completely blown away. And, you were right about that. <laughs> the trade with Trout. That, the right, that Trout, one, yeah, absolutely, out. yeah. As it turns out, and listen, you understand at the time, you're, you're paying the best player in the in baseball. Mm-hmm. Judge just turned pursue. 30. So Judge and Cano are, are in same. the same okay. seasons at the same spot. That's crazy. Yeah. That so he turns crazy. 31 next year. Cano turned 31 uh, the first year in Seattle. Wow. What, what a coincidence. <laughs> Two-run bomb. Yankees now up 5-1. Mets up 3-1 down in uh, Washington. Gordon, I got to tell you that, and we'll get to the calls in a second. How about that Patrick Corbin you guys missed out on, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he did win a World Series with he them. Did. So, But he he, I, has there been a greater discrepancy this year in terms of a pitching matchup than Max Scherzer and Patrick Corbin? Because wow. Corbin's been one of the worst pitchers in baseball this year mm-hmm. and has been one of the worst pitchers in baseball really the last two years. And Scherzer... If he had not had that stint on the IL and just continued to maintain what he's done in the time, the other times where he has actually played, he'd have to be in the conversation for National League Cy Young this year. Absolutely. No question about it. I mean, the only it. thing that's hurt him is the, the, the IL stint. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's a pretty big discrepancy between two starting pitchers and Aaron Judge. I, I, well, I mean, what do you say? Aaron Boone now has, what, uh, six more innings to come up with some adjectives <laughs> after this game because he's going to be – I really do think that the point that we were talking about earlier, Larry, this might be the greatest contract year in the history of contract years. Might be. I, 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 I can't don't think know of that, one better. You know, if you can – maybe it's not something that we think about regularly, but if you think about – everybody was saying that that was a fair offer that the Yankees presented to him mm-hmm. at the start of the year. It's going to be it has to whatever he ends up getting is going to be significantly more, and it's not just because some team or or the Yankees have decided to just lose their minds in terms of spending. It's going to be because he's kind of earned it with this year. I mean, I never thought that sixty-two home runs was mm-hmm. a realistic goal. Yeah, but when he's hitting home runs every single day, Larry, he has he now has forty-three on the year. Kyle Schwarber at last check, I think, still had thirty-three. He yeah. has 10 more home runs than the second-place guy. I know. That's, I know. He has 20, my math is correct, and my math is always a little shaky. He has 23% more home runs than the guy who's second in home runs in baseball. That's crazy. 
That's crazy. And he's hit, like you say, he's hitting them every day. Every day, Larry. Sometimes more than and more than one in a day. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> hey, look, we still got six more innings. We don't know. That's right. He could come back again. There's no question about it. No question about it. 1-800-919-3776. Listen, Herman did better than Corbin's done. <laughs> yeah, so far, right? It's, 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 you know. Maybe he maybe he's gotten a, a fire lit under him with the with the Frankie Montas move today. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I tell you what, uh, Severino's ta- little soft tossing <laughs> to make sure he gets back. Because immediately, and we'll hear from Michael K later about the Montrose deal. Most people have. I mean, Jack Curry when he when he announced the deal on Twitter, Gordon moved him into the number two pitcher right away, right behind Cole. Well, you'd have to. Uh, Since the show started, the Yankees, I don't know if it was before the show or not. I saw it during the show that uh, they have now moved Severino to the 60-day I.O. Yes, they did, yeah. So Mm -hmm. that means that he is not even eligible to come back until mid-September. All right, so So now you you need to know. Right, now you're talking about a very narrow window to get him back up and running to make a start come postseason time. And the possibility, and he's excelled at this role before, that if he is healthy and he is back, that maybe he's a piece out of your bullpen and, and you won't have him at least uh, for the postseason run uh, in terms of starting games, which would be a big blow. It would be. And then it, you figure out what do you do? Do you do nasty Nestor? Does he, on his past couple of starts, he seems to have corrected some issues, Gordon. So maybe you can put him in that spot. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's a nice problem to have. When you yeah. got when you got multiple options, it's a nice problem well, to have. Yeah, it's a nice problem to have, but it is a problem. It's, it's yeah. uh, you know even with this deal today for Montas, I I don't really feel all that uh, you know like usually you make a big deal at the trade deadline for a starting pitcher and a glaring need. You bring in somebody that you feel like all right now, like if they had gotten Luis Castillo, you'd feel like hey all right now we we got our number two. That's a guy that I feel confident in starting in a postseason game. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way with Montas. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll see. 1-800-919-3776. Subi in Midtown, start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, guys, I think this uh, Aaron Judge situation is a win-win for the Yankees and a win-win for Aaron Judge, too. Imagine the Yankees win the World Series and uh, they give Judge a contract, but he rejects it. That's, I mean, it's not their fault. They still won the World Series with Aaron Judge. So going forward, I don't want to hear like a sad, sad, somber song if Aaron Judge leaves and the Yankees did give him a significant contract. At least they did their best and offered around $300 million, and he, if he gets 320 that's not really their fault. So from the media, I just don't want to hear a sad, somber song if Judge leaves and the Yankees win a World Series. If Judge has a good postseason and the Yankees lose, then I can maybe hear a sad story. That's it. All right, Subi, thanks for checking in, but I mean – First of all, it's not left up to us <laughs> as the media. It's going to be left up to a lot of the conversations about the fans. Gordon, who are season ticket holders who want to come to the ballpark? And listen, when they come to the ballpark, they want to see people that have production. And Aaron Judge is your big-time producer now. Listen, they said it back in the 90s. Glavin and company. Chicks dig the long ball, Gordon. Everybody loves the long ball. And that's what baseball is these days. And when you have a guy who's right now toying, toying with the possibility of breaking the Yankees' single-season home run record at a time when nobody thought, nobody even thought about this at the beginning of the year, Gordon. Nobody was thinking about this. Uh, it's going to be a big loss if he, if he goes. It's going to be a big loss. Oh, of course. Uh, and I think that if they win the World Series 
it would be e- you know I think it would be easier obviously if he went someplace else because you'll still be basking in the World Series. But if they don't, I mean, it, it, the odds are still against them winning the World Series, right? Like whoever the best team is, their their odds to win the World Series in any particular year at this point is maybe you know at best thirty percent or twenty eight percent. So that tells you the odds are still against it. So if he were ever, if they were ever to not win the World Series oh. and he were to leave, oh. it would be the Yankees drive so much content in this town. It would be like nothing we've ever seen before. The 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 hellfire that will rain down on the Yankees from fans, from media, will be like unlike anything we've ever seen. You're right. Jonathan's in L.A. Hey, Jonathan, you're next on 98.7. Yeah, how's it going, fellas? Wow, that I missed you guys. It was pretty boring right here late afternoons right here in L.A. without you guys. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate I that. I appreciate that, Jonathan. <laughs> no problem. All right, guys. Uh, so now that the Yankees got uh, Montas and uh, they got this reliever from the Cubs and they got uh, Ben Attendee, they look pretty set if they stay if they stay healthy all the way to the playoffs. They look pretty set to me. They actually look, for me, like the World Series favorites and are not being biased. But do you guys think... Uh, now that uh, that they're all said that should get like a Quintana or Rondon or something like that, or that's too much already, don't even move things, or adding a little something doesn't hurt. Now that the, we have a, a 11, 12 game lead, I mean, I think we should rest up the pitchers, give them some time, you know, let's get rid. Now we should start thinking about the players now that we're two months away. And uh, I'll listen on the other side and thank you guys. You guys are the best. Thanks, right. Jonathan. Uh, I would say before Gordon breaks it down for you, Jonathan. I hear what you're saying about the 12 and 13 game lead, but that's not what they're looking at. They're looking at the the separation between them and Houston, Gordon. Yeah, uh, I think that that's probably the goal. Um, in terms of deals, uh, I wouldn't put it past the Yankees to make something minor tomorrow, but I, I, I would not. I think that they're probably, unless something presents itself, they're probably feeling like they're done. Mm-hmm. As much as Brian Cashman, ever, you know, I'm sure as the Yankee GM, you're, I'm sure he's not sitting with his feet up smoking a cigar. <laughs> say, all right, that's it for today. But is my expectation the Yankees are going to make any more trades? No, my expectation is not. But it, would it shock me if they, they picked up another reliever or picked up another player? Uh, it would not shock me, but I don't expect it. Uh, do you think Solo gets moved tomorrow? No, I've never felt like he was going to get moved. All right, We talked about this all last week. Mm-hmm. I think you were in agreement with me. Uh, yeah. And it seems like that the that the odds kind of are, are starting to tilt in that favor, but who knows? I, 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 it just seems like you're you're that confident that in really like a three week span that you you went from we're not trading this guy. You made a contract offer, it didn't happen. And now you're definitely going to trade him someplace else. Like mm-hmm. in three weeks, you feel confident that you've gotten the best offer for a franchise piece and, and a trade that we've for a player that we've never seen before. Is it 23 years old, you know, oh. finished second in the MVP last year. Is just this juggernaut offensive player. I don't know, man. It, it, I would not. Uh, it might be your best chance, right? Like this is when you will probably get the most for him. But it just feels like this is the type of move that's so big, you almost need a full off season to make it. See, I disagree. I I don't think this is this is where you get the most for him, Gordon. I think you get a, for example, a Yankee team that doesn't make that loses in the, that doesn't get to the mm-hmm. World Series and has to make some changes. I think that's where you get your biggest haul. We'll continue the conversation and take your phone calls as well. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN New York. <laughs> 
Thanks for stopping by an early edition of the show for the second hour. 1-800-919-3776. Gordon and I talking a little baseball in the first hour. We'll turn our attention to some football. And training camps continue to roll on, Gordon. But Pete Alonso, solo home run for the Mets. They extend their lead to 4-1. Yankees still leading 5-1 in the Bronx over the Mariners. Yeah, Domingo Herman is trying to change that though, not not for the better, Larry. Not for the better. He's not. He's, well, now that he's got his help, his his uh, speaker Pitch fixed calm? in his head. Yeah. yeah, he'll be yeah. okay now. He's going to be like Max Scherzer. Get rid of this stupid thing. I was doing okay, and then all of a sudden I have issues with this. <laughs> this is true. What's that? The pitch is saying, "Stop throwing pitches right down the middle of the plate." Oh, okay. That sounds like a good idea. Uh, it does sound like a good idea, and I think it's, uh, you know, it, it, I think he'll get out of this inning. I do. I'm I'll say this. Watching him this inning makes me feel better about getting Frankie Montas. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Frankie Montas is looking. I'm ready to sign Frankie Montas to a long-term contract after watching Herman here. Oh, he would, but he's an interesting guy, Herman. Right? He's a guy that had a bunch of wins, Gordon. But they scored a lot of runs for him. Yep. Yeah. You know, when he had his wins, he he wasn't it wasn't the Jordan Montgomery offense that showed up for him. No, and he was a like. There's been guys who. Over the last few, DeGrom is one of them, uh, where we realize wins is a a silly statistic to judge starting pitchers on, right? Like there's guys who are far better, even though they might not have enough wins. He's just the direct opposite. He wasn't as good as the wins (laughs) made it seem like he was. Yeah, he he did just enough. Thank you, and the bullpen took over. (laughs) Right. But you know what? Like when I was growing up back in the 70s and 80s, they would have told us that, oh, you know what? He just has a knack for sealing these wins down. He, Yes, he'll give up a three-run home run, but he he can pitch to contact, and he can Mm -hmm. pitch around trouble, and and he realizes the most important thing is to get that win, and and we now realize, no, that's a dumb statistic. You shouldn't be judging pitchers based on wins. Keeps you in the game. Right. Gives you a chance to win. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Crafty, he knows he lefty. can't walk a guy, so he'll give up a home run. <laughs> you know, as long as it's a solo home run, it's okay. He's around the plate. Yeah. You don't want him to walk anybody. He doesn't exactly. walk people. Excuses. Yeah. Nothing but excuses. Speaking of excuses, Gordon, let's talk a little football. Let's start with the New York football giants. Kenny Galladay spoke today. And one of the things that really – and we had a chance to talk to Jordan Runon last week. And one of the things, Gordon, that really shocked me when looked at the for – for what you expected from him – when you signed him. And remember, he was not a guy that had game-breaking speed. He was not the guy that had, you know, five and six-yard separation between him and, and defenders. He was a guy that was, okay, maybe maybe a stride or two. Consistently, he might have a little bit of separation. But it was, you throw the ball up to him and he would make the play. Gordon, he had zero touchdowns last season. Zero. Part of that's on the offense. But, Gordon, how do you have zero? How do you have zero touchdowns in the season and you're Kenny Galladay? He's better than that. Yeah, he better be better than that, or otherwise next year he won't be with the Giants. And even if he has a good year, maybe he won't be. You know, I mean, like the the the, the makeover of the New York Giants is not done by any stretch of the imagination just yet. So uh, I saw stats that I think he had like the fewest yards of separation per reception last year uh, for. It's not really all that surprising no. at the time that they made that move. You're thinking, well, here's a big weapon. You need to improve the offense. But given how all the other moves went with Dave Gettleman, why would we have thought that that one was the one that was going to work out? Yeah, and it didn't. It, was, it didn't, no. <laughs> like it, the others. It, as, as bad as you thought it could be, it turned out to be even worse. Uh, and, and look, at the, at the end of the year, 
the, the quarterbacks that they had, uh, <laughs> they could have had prime Randy Moss, and I don't think that that would have mattered a whole lot. Uh, no, if they had prime – no, Gordon, they had prime Randy Moss. He'd have thrown the ball to himself. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe that maybe 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 Kenny Galladay should have been starting a quarterback because he couldn't have been any worse. At least then he would have been associated with some touchdowns. No question about it. Mike Glennon, huh? Oh. <laughs> Jake Fromm. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> oh. And remember, I mean, we're, people were having conversation. We got to see what this Jake Fromm kid has. I think he could really be the, the real deal and – Want to see the, the, the possibilities of him? Oh, we, we got to see the possibilities. Let me tell you what the possibilities were. It was possible they made them bring back Mike Glennon. Oh, it was. It <laughs> was told you a lot. So bad. That told you a lot. Look, that the, told the, you a the, lot. The, the, the fact that I gave you last year uh, to tell you how bad it was was that when the lines would come out, they would, you know, the Giants were underdogs, like, say, 10 points. Mm-hmm. I would just simply think to myself, are the Giants going to score ten points? Because I, I don't get—I don't have a high level of confidence they're going to score any points. Uh, and any time they did, it was almost like by accident. Uh, it was that bad last year. So I think it's safe to say I, it's always tough making NFL predictions, but yeah. this one is one that I feel very confident in saying the Giants' offense is going to be better this year. And Kenny Galladay agrees with you because he says the offense is a bit faster. The offense is totally different. A lot of moving parts, you know, as you can see. Coach putting people in different positions at all times, keeping the defense guessing. Very receiver friendly. Now we're just working on just getting on the same page as far as receivers, running backs, and then DJ. But right now, we're having fun out there. Just give you a lot of freedom. You don't have to be so cookie cutter, do us on the paper. You can go out there and kind of make the route your own. All right, so help me out, Gordon. I've been watching football. I know you've been watching football a while. I've been watching football a while. Haven't you heard when you speak to coaches, don't you hear them say all the time that the precision of routes are important? Yeah. Because the quarterback is throwing to an area, so you mm-hmm. have to hit. The, if, you, if, the, if you have to cut on the 20, you can't loop. That's got to be a hard cut on that 20-yard line. Not a cookie-cutter offense. You have some, some leeway. What leeway do you have, Gordon? The route is the route. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, uh, you're, you're more confident with the people running the show, at least right now, Absolutely. because it seems like that they are, you know, with all due respect to Joe Judge, it felt like he was like a character out of a movie. He might say the right <laughs> things. He's what you uh, anticipate hearing from a football coach about football players in the National Football League, but uh, there was not a whole lot of creativity last year. Now, part of that might have been that they knew what they were working with with Daniel Jones. And that Daniel Jones was such a turnover machine those first couple of years, they knew they had no chance to win if he was turning the ball over at that rate. So they had to dial things back and get more conservative and and play that type of style where it was not shots down the field because they knew if they took shots down the field, they were just going to be shooting themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. But this year, hopefully, it is, uh, it's more wide open. I think that you're going to see at least the reports from training camp is there, it's more of a professional style offense, more shifting, more mm-hmm. movement, more, you know, just more. But that requires the players to, to get up to speed because it's a new offense. And, and generally, if you have a new offense and a lot of, you know, not great players, it's going <laughs> to, right? I mean, it just makes sense that it's going to be more difficult to get things clicking. So yeah. um, I, I think that I have some confidence that Brian Dable should be able to put a better offense together. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the offense will score more points this year, but mm-hmm. that does not mean that it's not going to be a giant work in progress. Jackson, Manhattan. What's up, Jack? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Jack. Hello? Yeah, Jack. What's going on, pal? Hello? 
We're here, Jack. Talk Jack, to you us. got us? Yeah. Hey. Oh, there you go. Uh, one of them make a comment on Daniel Jones and uh, see what you guys think. I think, yeah, of course he'll get better. My fear, though, is that he'll get a bit better. The Giants will win six, seven, or eight games, and they'll be an absolute no-man's land in terms of recruiting a great new quarterback or certainly not re-signing him, which is why I'm incredulous when I hear people say, I don't get the Garoppolo thing. Why not take Garoppolo? And if you feel so bad about Daniel, let him start the first three games while Garoppolo gets up to speed and then put him in because at least you're going to have a better chance of making the playoffs. And again, Daniel's going to leave you hanging in no man's land is the biggest probability. He's not going to get you to the promised land, and he's he's better than you know two, three, or four wins. Well, look, you, you gave us a lot there, Jack. Uh, you know, with Garoppolo, you can get a Garoppolo every year. Uh, you know, he's a guy that you win with, but not because. Uh, and, and given the money that he's making, the thing that you have this year, if you're the Giants, is you get to evaluate Daniel Jones. You get, if we're all in agreement that Brian Dable is a better offensive mind than you have had running your team in a long time, give him a full year to see what Daniel Jones can do, truly evaluate him in NFL games, not in camp, not in practice, but actual NFL games against actual NFL teams. And then at the end of the year, if he is the guy, well then, okay, Brian Dable, even if the stats might not line up with what you would envision the guy being, like 30 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, Mm -hmm. but Brian Dable kind of has a chance to evaluate him and see where he's going from year one to year two under his tutelage. I just don't see what you would gain by getting Jimmy Garoppolo. He might make you a little bit better now, but you're not looking to be a little bit better now. The worst thing, the worst thing, the Giants either have to be way better than expectations or way worse. If they're at six or seven wins, I would agree with Jack, that's no man's land. Uh, you don't want to be there. So if they can, if you get a full year to watch Daniel Jones and he surprises you and surprises the coaching staff, okay, fine. You don't need to get back in the quarterback market. But if you do get back in the quarterback market, you should be able to find a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Absolutely. And the other thing is you got Tyrod Taylor backing him up this year. Yes. So if he's really bad, go ahead and just sit him. Right. Wins don't matter this year for the Giants. No, right. it's not. Just, just be somewhat functional so that the other pieces of the team don't completely get sacrificed because you don't have a, anything close to a professional quarterback back there. See, remember, this, I'm, and, and we're not saying that the Giants aren't trying to win. Okay, because they're trying to win because that's how you want to evaluate your talent. Okay, if they win, that's great. But it's not the primary thing. See, for the no. Giant fan, they're like, okay, look, if he does good – just like Jack was saying, eight wins. Not, Giants get eight wins. Giants eight wins in eight games. I don't see how they no, do it, no. but but even if they're lucky enough to do that, then you know what? If they are, that means Daniel Jones is pretty good. <laughs> you would have to think, right? He like, had to be pretty this good. Roster, he has to be pretty good. Uh, but uh, I, I, you know, I understand what Jack is saying. Absolutely, it's not, I do you know, too. It, like you could definitely get into a situation where Daniel Jones, if he gets back to the quarterback that he was, even in his rookie year, in terms of the overall numbers, mm-hmm. it will feel like after these last two years, wow, Daniel Jones is really taking that step forward. And again, just to remind people, his rookie year in twelve games, he threw twenty-four touchdowns, had twelve interceptions, completed almost sixty-two percent of his passes and threw for 3,000 yards. If he's able to do that and stay healthy over the, the 17, I mean, you're just, you're just upping those numbers by five mm-hmm. more games. So yeah. um, I could definitely see a situation where the Giants get through the year and just looking at the overall production, while it might not jump off the page at you, 
after the last couple of years of him throwing 10 and 11 touchdowns, it's going to look far better. Right. And then which you is get good stuck. for them. Yeah. Which is good for them because then they can move him. But, yeah, I mean, look, if, if it turns out – like, I don't think it's the type of situation that if Daniel Jones is better and the coaching staff says, hey, we'd like to stick with Daniel Jones, we need more time with him, mm-hmm. and we think that he might be the long-term piece, but we're not – you know, we're not setting it in stone. Mm-mm. I don't think you're going to say, well, we're going to give him a five-year contract, like Kyler Murray's contract. He's not getting Kyler Murray money. No. It will be the type of thing where I'm sure his people will realize it's best for us to stay here. He will get a, a, an upgrade. He'll get a, a raise in terms of the overall money he's making, but it's not going to break the bank where you're saying, you know, he's going to be one of the top five or six paid quarterbacks. So I could see no. – I, I think people think, well, if we sign him to a long-term contract – it's going to be at this ridiculous money. Some of the other contracts, he's not going to get anywhere close to that, even if he no. is good. And, no. and they will still take a quarterback in the draft. <laughs> Probably, but maybe not in the first round. You know, that's no, the other the problem that the Giants yeah. have is that if they're, if they're just mediocre bad, right? Like if they just win five games, you win five games, you could be picking eighth. Mm-hmm. And right. if you're picking eighth with the amount of quarterbacks that are coming out this year, the amount of teams – with two number one picks, I think it's five or six teams have two number one picks that could maneuver to get in front of you. You might, at the end of the day, be picking the fourth quarterback in the first round. Yeah, uh, you know you, that, that's year. not ideal, right? That's not ideal either. So, no, nope. it's to a wait. tough spot that they find themselves. It, you know, starting from scratch when you're not even at scratch yet is a tough yeah. spot to be in. And the Giants aren't at scratch yet; they got this whole year to get to scratch. That's right. Yeah, really right now it's just to, uh, you know, get better every day in practice and then the goal is always to win as many games as possible. But I think for us as a unit, it's how can we show that we've progressively gotten better on offense and, uh, you know, kind of connect the pieces and actually play some football this year. Zach Wilson speaking at Jets training camp here on 98.7 ESPN. Hardest and Damer until 10 o'clock. And Gordon, listen, that's what uh, that's what you want to hear your quarterback say, that he's working on some things and he's got to get better. And here's the bottom line. And we've said it over and over and over again. He has to improve. He's got to get better. And you hope that the weapons around him, the fact that they will have a better running game, will take some pressure off him. But you still want to see him grow and make better decisions and be able to see the field and not turn the football over. All the little things that he did not handle well last year, you want to hope that he's improved on it this year. Yeah, and, you know, for all the talk about how the Jets' schedule is so difficult to start the year and all this type of stuff, uh, I don't really buy into that. I, I think it's, you know, those first four games are actually overblown, and it's actually the, the second – it's not the first five, it's the second five of the real different ones. Mm-hmm. But you talk about the pass defenses that Zach Wilson is going to see uh, early on in the year, mm-hmm. it's a difficult challenge. So he, uh, he does not have the luxury of last year. Last year when he came in – uh, I think the expectations were, you know, as low as they could be for a second overall pick. Yeah. Everybody was willing to give him a little bit of time because I think people realized that the, um, the, 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 the talent that he was working with was not great. It was a huge step up coming from BYU. But, no, this year, I mean, the NFL, not for long, man. That's what right. it stands for. So he's got to come in this year and, and really hit the ground running and cannot have – the lows that it doesn't necessarily have to be the highs that he reached at times, but he Mm -hmm. can't have the lows that he's had in the past. No, he can't. And, and what you would hope is not only, and of course a lot of it is on him. There's no question about it, Gordon, but you would hope that his coordinator doesn't put him in situations. Okay. Where 
you know, you put him in a tough situation. You you want him to be able to, to you know, hand the ball off or throw the ball or do some other things, Gordon, that are not in a tough situation, right? You don't want him on third and 13 against a blitzing Baltimore Ravens defense to put him back there saying, listen, in game week one, you got to be able to do something. You know, stay in the pocket, do what you got. No, move around in those scenarios, Gordon. But once again, try to manage the game so you don't get in third and long, second and third and long situations. And hopefully the play calling will be a little bit better because I think, you know, second year with both, everybody's now familiar with the offense. It should be better. And the, and the coordinator, I would think, would have a little better feel about what Zach can handle and what he can handle. Uh, let's hope so, right? I mean, it has to it has to be better overall. It can't look as bad as it looked at times last year. And, um, you know, you, you talk about the teams. Uh, to me, those first five games, right, we're talking Ravens, Browns, Bengals, Steelers, and, and Dolphins. Uh, and now we get the news today about, uh, obviously, uh, about um, – Deshaun Watson. Uh, about Deshaun Watson. So he's not going to be there for those games. But you talk about pass defenses. Those are some good teams in terms of pass defense. Even the Dolphins, which defense is not great, they can pick you off. They can get some mm-hmm. turnovers as well. So those are, those are um, you know, if we get through the first five games, it's going to be judged on wins and losses because there are expectations this year. But it's also the quarterback, man. He's, he's got to be better than he was at times last year because at times last year he looked completely overwhelmed. He looked completely lost. Uh, and if that's the case this year, well, then you really got problems because, A, he's had a second year to, to get used to and get up to speed, and you'd have to agree the talent overall around him, while it might be young, the talent overall is significantly better. But it, was, it will be a great test for the offensive line, Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, physical defenses. Yep, absolutely. Steelers uh, might not know, be a good team, but their defense physical. is still pretty good. Absolutely. And can, and, and can rush the passer for sure. With Bosa, yeah. yeah. So so you've got, you know, you've, you've got some physical teams. and T.J. Watt. A Watt, rather. Yeah. And so you're, well, those you're brothers over, run together after a while. They sure you know? do. I mean, they're all over the league. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't we around. ever have some? I need some down. I need a Bosa. I need a Watt. I need a somebody. Every time you turn around, there's another one that pops up somewhere. <laughs> oh, my God. Where does he come from? Uh, but yeah, so so you know, physical defenses cause you problems, right? And you got to yep. be ready, and and so that's going to be the other issue for this team. So you know, and you know, Gordon, it would be nice to have them not be over September or over. Yeah, <laughs> they, they for can't the, be over September. You know, you, they can't you gotta, be over September. You, know, you got to win a game or two. I mean, come on, uh, enough's enough. Because uh, because look, if you're not winning, uh, I think the Steelers' defense does pro- pause. Post challenges, but the Steelers are are not really expected to be a, a very good no. team Mm-mm. this year. No. Um, uh, now they might be a better team than the Jets, but I mean that's that's kind of uh, you know faint praise. But the Browns are going to be go- going with their backup quarterback. Right. Um, the Dolphins, Jets. That's a kind of game that it doesn't matter if one team's great and the other team's bad. It's always kind of a, a close game. Sometimes when you're the good team and the other team's the bad team, they just take delight in in beating you. So uh, that to me is kind of a toss up game as well. If you go O for September then you might be going oh for a while because once you get through those first five games, the Dolphin game and the, and the, and the Steelers games are, are in October. But after mm-hmm. that, you're on the road against Green Bay. You're tough. on the road against Denver. You've got the Patriots, who are always tough. You tough. get the Bills. You get tough. the Patriots again. Tough. And by that point, we're, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about Thanksgiving. Right. <laughs> I mean, that, that, we're talking about Thanksgiving. We're into Thanksgiving yeah. by that point. So yeah. 
Yeah, they got to get some. They got to get. They got to find a way. I mean, look, there's weird things that happen every NFL year. I bring it up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, last week that uh, the, the the Jaguars were able to beat the Bills last year. You right. would, nobody would have expected that at this point. Nobody. You got to find a way to win a game every once in a while. Go ahead, celebrate. There you go, baby. We got, look, keep tacking on because the way Herman is going, we're going to need it. <laughs> How quickly can we get to the bullpen? Oh boy! So six-two Yankees now, as they play bottom four. Mets leading Washington 4-2, also bottom four. We'll come back and take your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. You wonder, like, for these guys that are on bad teams, do, you, are they, do they feel pressure because they want to get traded here? Like, yeah, for, right. for, like, Nelson Cruz or uh, not Juan Soto because Juan Soto uh, is a different player. But, you know, Frankie Montas goes from the, the worst team in the American League to the team with the best record in the American League. I just wonder how uh, – if guys, if that even impacts them at all, like, do they even care? Or do, I, mean, I think they would want to go to a, a winning situation, right? And here's well, your yeah. chance to to show on the big stage right here. But we shall see. That's how you make your money, right? <laughs> That's how you make your money, being seen in a big spot when everybody's watching, like Bell in Washington. Please get me out maybe, of here. Maybe Scherzer's <laughs> feeling the footsteps from Degrom coming back, right? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. No, no he so. shouldn't I be. I just, no. It's, no. I don't no, think so. Just so. listen. He's, he's feeling the night. pressure that the best pitcher in baseball is coming back tomorrow. It's one of those nights. Got I mean, he was due. Going. He was due for a bat, but this is. I mean, this is a really strange one. Right? It is. Like a Nationals team that's not doing anything. Yep. That's going to need to score some runs for Max tonight. I mean, he's he's doing sixty-three pitches in four innings. That's very odd. That's not Scherzer. No, not Scherzer. No, I mean, where where was this Scherzer when he was facing the Yankees? I mean, he was. <laughs> I mean, he was pitching like he was double parked. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Jose is in Newark. Jose, what's happening? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing tonight? Jose. So I, I consider myself a rational and reasonable Jet fan, which I know is a bit of a oxymoron, as they would say, right? Oxymoron. I know it, but I have just, I just have a, a very short wish list, and I think it's fair. All I'm asking for is six, maybe seven wins. One divisional win, and stay in the game. And at least ten of them were not. We're just not embarrassed and blown off of the field. If they give me that, I will take it as a win. I know there's going to be a thirty-one to three loss at some point in time this year. It is what it is. But if they could give me those three things, I would consider that a very good thing. Zach Wilson has been given a massive amount of young talent around him. He has the best tight end that we've had in the Jets in a very long time. I can't even remember the last quality tight end. He has a good running back that's coming in that should be good, and he has a defense that should be able to keep him in the game. So if we could get six or seven wins, one divisional win, and ten games where we're actually in it to the fourth quarter and not get blown out, you know, in no more than two games embarrassed, I would be as happy as cake. I would have no issues with that whatsoever. That's not bad, Jose. Thanks for the phone call. And probably, I guess you got to go back, Gordon, to Dustin Keller for the tight end. The Jets were really I mean, good. Is that is that? That's I mean, old that's, nine ten. Yeah, that's a while ago. That's and, a while and, ago. And even then, is that really the bar we're set, Dustin Keller? But I'm uh, saying, well, for, like for as I said were. about the Giants, that their offense has to be better. Mm-hmm. The Jet defense has to be better. Yeah, it just simple. I mean, they gave up 500 points last year. They had that one stretch where I know it wasn't all on the defense. Some of it was turnovers as well. But they gave up 34 to the Bengals. They gave up uh, – no, excuse me. They gave up 31 to the Bengals. They gave up 45 to the Colts. They gave up 45 to the Bills. Uh, and they gave up 54 to the Patriots. 
yeah. <laughs> that yeah. one stretch, that one month of games there was whoo. And it wasn't. I mean, they averaged thirty points allowed in in, in games last year. So yeah. yeah, the defense has to be better. Has to I be would better. think that that's on the low, like six wins to me. That's on the low end of kind of. They have to win six games. If they don't win six games, something has gone terribly wrong. But in in in, in his thought process, Gordon. If they're competitive in the other yeah. ones, you have mm-hmm. a chance to steal one or two. Right. You know, so that so 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 he's listen, he's setting the bar low and, and hopes that he's surprised. <laughs> That's right. what he's doing. If oh I, got, I only wanted six. They gave me eight. Woo, I got eight wins. I only wanted six. Well, that, look, that that's a good that's a good role model for, for exactly. any organization. Set exactly. your sights low, right? Yep. Hope for the best, but expect the worst. Yeah, that's what you gotta do. Kyle's in Jersey. What's up, Kyle? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you? Hey, Kyle. What's going on? Not much. Gordon, I'm going to be honest. Okay. I got a bone to pick with you every time I I listen to you talk. But it's all right. You know what I love about you? You can't hide your fandom. You are a Miami Dolphin fan until they die. I know for a fact. But But I also hate the Dolphins more than any team. You know you are, right? What's that? You know you are, right, Gordon? I, well, I'm you a Dolphin get away fan, from but it. I do hate the organization more than any organization that I talk about. So, I mean, I think, I'm, right. I think I'm fair. I might be harsh, but I'm fair. I think you're, though, but the, the difference is, and maybe this is because it's coming from a Jet fan, you hate on the Jets. You feel good about I, the fact way? that I'm a Dolphin fan, and at least there's the Jets out there. I feel well, like that like, is me, your Can you give me an example of me hating on the Jets? I mean, you have to be honest, Kyle. The Jets have not given me a whole lot to praise the last few seasons. I'm not going to say that. I, I can be honest in that aspect. But what I will say is that I think you're kidding yourself if, you don't, if you're not a little worried. Because in my mind, in my mind, you're looking at a quarterback that I don't think is even close to proven. We can argue Zach Wilson all we want, but this is going to be a year where he actually has the weapons. And uh, we had a conversation, I want to say, four or five months back where you got Tyreek Hill. I'm going to tell you right now, the Jets will get, guaranteed will beat the Dolphins both games this year. And the Dolphins are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. And I'm almost positive that the Jets – We'll be a positive team in the win column. Uh, basically, we're going to be close to the playoffs, if not make it, because we have fully rounded our entire team. And I feel like you are giving us you're, – you're writing us off because of writing you off? Jet How am I writing syndrome. you off? They've been terrible. I mean, like, what am I supposed to be saying? Like, Kyle, you have to understand how you're coming across. You sound like you're delusional. Like, you, you think that the Jets are a playoff team this year. Look, crazy things happen, but to have an expectation – I mean, we went from a person who was very rational, very uh, modest expectations, to the the total opposite extreme. Well, no, but here's the difference. The difference is, is now we're looking at a team that has both – they put two tight ends on that line. They've added three offensive linemen. They've added another top-tier receiver, Elijah Moore, who was the best – was – top five receiver in the second half of the season last year after getting injured. And now you're talking about a defense that has added the top cornerback in the draft. We've added one of the top 15 cornerbacks from Seattle. Your expectations is what? Your expectations are what? 
So what are your expectations? My expectations. Win total. If, I, if I'm being honest, uh-huh. I think that we can be a plus win team. So 9-8 and eight okay. is my where I think we could go. I think that we can be heavier than that and be somewhere around a 10-7, 11-16. Okay. Well, I mean, you're not alone there. And I don't know how I'm getting the, the reputation of hating. Larry, haven't I said that they have to win some games in the first yes. month of this? Everybody else is writing them off as 0-4, 0-9. I've heard people on this station say they're going to be 0-9. I'm saying that they're going to be, you know, around 500 after the first month of the season. Mm-hmm. And then the last five games of the season – you have to be able to win like at least four of those games. I don't know how yes. I'm getting the reputation of being a Jet hater or that my fandom is is uh, is is tilting my analysis. I am uh, I am very fair in that I think the Dolphins are terrible. I mean, don't I say this to you all the time, Larry? All that, the time. All the time. So all the time. You're you're not happy with the quarterback. Rap. You're not happy with your quarterback. I don't I don't like the quarterback. But you, I will say this into a tag uh, into his uh, defense is that if he puts if 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 uh, Zach Wilson puts up a year a second year like Tua did well that would be a huge upgrade oh absolutely huge. yeah it would be it would be and listen i'm ready to say that the jets will be improved based on the schedule well, i'm not ready to say they got, i'm not ready to say they're a playoff team i'm not ready really? to say they got double digit wins not on, not not yet i got to see him play okay and and with the schedule that this is not I would be surprised if they are a double-digit team, double-digit win team. If you tell how me, how many years are they playing this year? How many, how many seasons are they playing? How many <laughs> did they expand the schedule more? Are they playing thirty-five games this year? If you tell me they could win eight or nine games, to me that would be fabulous. Gordon, be if this team wins, if this team wins eight or nine games, that's double what you won last year. Right. That's a that's a huge a huge step up. And look, I'm not telling you it's impossible because again, the end of the season you got but you got to hang tough in the during some tough games in the middle there because those t- yeah. those games in the middle are are, are brutal. They're brutal. Now, the last brutal. 5, but you know, we we've seen previous Jet teams have good runs at the end of the year and it doesn't really mean anything because the season's over, but right. you know, going Lions, Jaguars, Seahawks, Dolphins, that's a nice way to wrap up the season. But, you know, the, the, the Lions, Jaguars, Seahawks, and Dolphins are all thinking, well, we got the Jets in the, the last yeah. month of the season, so that works out well for us. But and, and then, of course, you also have the Packers and the Broncos. Oh, and that the, second, the that second and the, five games. Pa- at Packers, at Broncos, Patriots twice, and the Bills. I mean, that's tough. That's a tough, that's tough. That's a tough stretch of games. I mean, you could go – that's five games? That's five games. If Gordon – you would throw a parade if you went two and three. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you find five. a way to win two of those games. And, uh, you know, if you're going to have 10 wins, you're telling me that you're winning multiple games in the division. And, and yeah. again, I think the Dolphins do have a chance to finish last. But I don't think the Bills have a chance to being disappointing this year. I think the no. Bills are pretty good. I know the Patriots' roster might not look all that talented, but they always seem to figure out a way to get some wins, especially against the Jets. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. You know, like if I were a Jet fan, I feel like I would I would want to walk before I'm running. You know, mm-hmm. like before I'm like, hey, I'm winning the marathon. I would just like get up out of a chair and like walk a few steps first. That's yeah, it. but they but Jet fans have been in the chair forever, Corey. I know, want, but like you have to like the, the previous bit. caller there was talking about, you know, if we can get six wins, a mm-hmm. division win. That's 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 the way you should be approaching things, mm-hmm. because if you're approaching it from we're going to win nine and eight. Unfortunately, we're never going to hear from Kyle again. Like when people make those bold proclamations, I'm going to call you back. You never hear from him again. So, 
pour one out to for Kyle because he he, he gone. As they he say, gone. he gone, he gone. <laughs> Back to the phones we go. Buddha is in the Bronx. Hey Buddha, you're next on ninety eight seven. You know, guys, I really like y'all in this spot, man. Three hours, you understand? We need, who we need to talk to to make this a permanent thing? <laughs> well, whoever you need oh, to talk to, you better talk to him soon. <laughs> yeah. No, stop. Stop. Let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. Ah, stop it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> make that, that call right. tomorrow, Buddha. Oh, man. Tomorrow Before might be my Jets thing, real <laughs> quick, though, real quick. Um, you know, after my call with you yesterday, the news came down about Mr. Russell's passion. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I think about what he accomplished, what he endured, it makes me think about my pops and my uncles, get a little nostalgic. You know, growing up in the 70s, man, them dudes was intense, man. Yeah. We used to think that they were hard on us. You know, don't be good, be better. I often heard, along with a lot of other expletives, <laughs> when you leaned on that emblem on that Cadillac, that's but right. I tell you this much, man. May he rest in peace. And to my young brother, Deshaun Watson, man, you know, black man, whatever took place or didn't, utilize some self-analyzation and get yourself together moving forward. I mean, come on. You can't go out like that, brother. But anyway, you man. You got to do better than that. Come on. You got to do better than that. I don't care yeah. which way it played out. You got to do better than that. We need you to do better than that. Anyway. He needs himself to do better than that. Yeah, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Now, with the Jets, um, you know, we had to call Jose. He was Bud Light. And then Kyle, he was a four loco. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> listen, I, you know, I, I, I'm kind of in the middle of between the two of them. I mean, eight wins is my target. You know, what I like so far, what I've seen so far, you know, this is training camp. and you know, We can't get all excited about anything. You know, everybody looks great in the underwear Olympics. But um, Beckton moved to right tackle. You know, it is what it is, bro. You had your shot. I'm glad that Salah, you know, made that move. Um, you know, Salah's getting his guys from San Fran to come, the linemen, you know, um, the linebacker. You know, and I personally feel that young Coach LaFleur was the best position coach once he got quarterbacks in who could actually run the offense as scripted. Uh, and, um, you know, Source Gardner might be the best draft pick Joe Douglas has made. He has a star written all over him. You know, I, you know I'm very excited about him. But my areas of concern, and like I said, eight wins to me are doable. Eight wins. I mean, I, I seven. I won't get a, a max. Six. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not feeling that. I, I'm not feeling that. I'm sorry because that's that feel good stuff, and, and uh, like I'm, I'm tired of that. Now, you know, with the quarterback, can he play a full season? Forget about how many yards he's going to throw for, and all this other stuff that we have. The, the arm talent, or can you play a full season, bro? Do you got the body to do it? Do you got the mind to do it? Can you understand that you got college mobility and not NFL mobility? and run that offense on schedule from the pocket. And we need the injury bug to leave us alone as training camp, you know. But my biggest area of concern, my biggest area, you spoke about this, I think you took a Jets call uh, that yesterday. And it's like, it's with the sense of urgency on the coaching staff. You know, like I said, the feel-good stuff for me is over. I mean, I'm, I'm sick of hearing about how Adam Gates was this, and McCagney was that, and Todd Bowles. You know, at some point, you got to win some games. You know, like the, 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 the better utilization of timeouts, I mean, that's been forever with the Jets. You know, the in-game adjustments, specifically with the coverages in the secondary, and then the return of the Jets playing stout run defense. From the time I've been a Jets fan, I'm talking about early 80s up until now, every Jets team that had a good playoff run, some teams had a pass rush, 
Some teams didn't. It was like, but the Jets, when they had Revis, that pass rush wasn't official, but the coverage was good in the secondary. You know, but what they always had was a good run defense. And that's what I need to see. If you could give me that, and, you know, talking about winning two games against Miami, listen, what the Jets need to focus on is getting a split with Miami and getting a split with the Patriots. You know, we owe the Patriots one. They put up 40 both times. You understand what I'm talking about? And, 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 and Belichick did his best to embarrass Salah. So that's what I need to see this year. Like I said, no injuries. Give me eight wins and, like, be competitive. And then, you know, then we go hope for the next season that we get to the playoffs. My guys, I love y'all, man. Always. All right, All right, Thanks. Thanks, I, I, I would just say that, uh, you know, you said that uh, Gardner is going to be the best draft pick of uh, Robert Salah. Not a – I mean, I, I hope. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 you know, three years in, there's not – it's not – it will not be hard for him to be that, right? Like, Zach Wilson is still a complete wild card. Uh, Vera Tucker is a nice player. Uh, you know, traded up to get him. Uh, mm-hmm. Elijah Moore showed you things at times last year. But, you know, that first draft, there was – I mean, Becton is the like the saving grace, and mm-hmm. he just got moved to right tackle, so – even though he's had a ton of draft picks here the last few years, there's not that many that you think, wow, how is he going to be better than that guy? Yeah, yeah Sauce Gardner should be. I mean, fourth pick in the draft, yeah. Yeah, but is that good? I mean, shouldn't Zach Wilson be your best pick? Well, you, I mean, long term, you need spot? him to be. You, you, you need hope. him to be. But it seems like it would be an unfair expectation for him to be anywhere close to that this year. You're just hoping mm-hmm. that he's going to be better overall. Gardner very well could come in. And, and make a difference, and, right, and away. Make a difference right away, especially yeah. in that secondary, which was Help. not good. No, it wasn't. Listen, that was a, that team did not have a lot of talent last year, Gordon. Let's face it. That team nope. was struggling. <laughs> not have a lot of talent. Robbie's in Massachusetts. Hey, Robbie. Hey, guys. What time is that? I thought it was 10 o'clock. <laughs> nice to hear you in the lower time slot there. Uh, in the nice time slot. Anyway, uh, I was searching last week, and I didn't hear you guys on, and then I found out you were on in the morning, so maybe you run too early. But uh, anyway, a couple of things. Gordon, your thoughts on the Yankee acquisitions first before I talk about the Yankees. Well, I mean, Ben Attendee's a nice player. Uh, I think that there yeah. are better options out there. Um, right. You know? Now, if Ben Attendee's acquisition means that Aaron Judge is going to hit a home run every single day, it's the greatest acquisition of all time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would have been more in on Soto. That you know, To me, the Yankees, the goal wow. is this year – you have to win a World Series. What's the biggest difference maker available? Soto is the biggest difference maker available. So Ben Attendee, he's fine. Uh, he's not bad. He's better than the alternative of Joey Gallo. Right. But uh, I'm not. He's up right now as you speak. So there you go. Yeah, I'm on the Mets right now. So like, uh, <laughs> I wonder, how, gee, I wonder how that will turn out. <laughs> Harry Carey is better than Joey Gallo. Yeah. Anyway, as far as like the Yankees go, well, you brought you, you kind of segued into what I was going to say. Okay, you get Andrew Benintendi. There's a guy hitting three thirteen. You acquired him as a guy with speed, as a guy that can lead off. Why is he hitting seventh? I mean, this is where baseball makes no sense. Why have we gotten so ridiculous? I mean, Lemayu is on fire right now. Lemayu is hitting in, a, in the two eighties. He really has an all season. His on-base percentage is over 800, or his OPS, if you want to call it that. I mean, he's hitting some bombs, and he's playing a goal glove third base and, and second base. He's been terrific, and wherever they put him, even first base. 
I don't understand why Ben Benintendi doesn't fit. Why does he have the traditional table setters? Why does a guy like Judge bat second and a guy like Ben Benintendi bat third behind a guy with 42 home runs? Baseball, to me, doesn't make any sense. And I'm trying to figure out why they do this. Like, even, even Buck has come down with this uh, analytics affliction or whatever the, what the, what they want to call it because Buck is batting O'Neill eighth and batting a guy who's got a 213 lifetime average you know, at Vogels, Vogelberg, right? Vogelsberg. I mean, Vogelbach. behind Vogelbach, behind a guy who's your MVP, who's what, second in the league at RBIs and Alonso? Why in the world would you bat a guy 213? But why would you protect a guy? I know one of these over four the other day. I don't understand the logic behind constantly changing the batting order. Why can't we just go back to some traditional baseball? This is what's missing from baseball. It's just logic, just logical things. A guy hitting 313 with an on-base percentage of over 800 who steals bases and goes first to third in the singles and not belonging hitting seventh. And that's what it, and that's what I was wanting to ask you guys about. Uh, and the other well, thing Robbie, I want to ask I think, you about. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, go I think ahead. what it is, and thanks for the phone yeah. call, is Gordon, I think by putting Benintendi further down in the lineup, I think he's trying to get some production from the bottom of the of the batting order because he's not getting a whole lot. If he moves him down, he's able to, you know, lengthen the lineup a little bit. I mean, when he first came in, he batted him leadoff. Yes. So I, but, but once again, it's not. it's a fluid situation. The days of Lou Brock is going to be your leadoff hitter for the Cardinals every day. That day's that, that that's gone. They don't do that anymore. Done. Francisco Lindor, and, and I'm going all the way back. I'll go even closer. Francisco Lindor in Cleveland, when when they played the Mets in the World Series, he bat leadoff all the time. He bat leadoff with the Mets. Just, the game has changed. So I think it's more of you know lengthening the batting order, and the batting order is so fluid, Gordon, because we rest guys. They didn't rest guys back in the day, Gordon. <laughs> no. Uh, well, look, I, they did put Ben and in leadoff that first game. I think it's a possibility that he does bat leadoff some other times this year, depending, you know, if LeMahieu cools off or something along those lines. But they like having Judge batting second because over the long haul of the season, they want to get Judge as many at-bats as possible. And with the way he's playing, I don't think anybody can argue with that. Like, if you can get him – you know, 20 to 30 extra bats over the course of the season because of him batting second as opposed to third, well, then you want those extra 20 to 30. I don't even know how many bats it would be. But, um, you know, the, the problem I have with the Yankee order is that Donaldson is still hitting as prominently as he has been because he's been terrible. And I think it really is getting to a point where maybe not at this point, but at some point, LeMahieu will be the regular third baseman. Rizzo will be the regular first baseman. Maybe it's when Stanton comes back and he can DH and, and play the outfield some. But Josh Donaldson has been a major disappointment. Fine glove at third, that's great. But I don't really think you lose anything with LeMahieu at third. I agree. I agree. And you get and you gain a stick. I, exactly. You improve the lineup, right? All of a sudden, things look a whole lot better when you take 219, 300, 374 out of the sixth spot. <laughs> it looks a lot better, Gordon. It looks a lot better. But I do think Ben and Tendi, they're trying to link that lineup a little bit because the you got inconsistent production at the bottom of the lineup, and Gordon, you're 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 okay with that because those guys are arguably better defensively. Right. So you live with Trevino, right? Because he, yeah. what he does behind the plate, and he has had some big hits this year. Kind yes. of Falefa, at least he can put the bat on the ball. He can steal a base. Yeah. Um, you know Donaldson, he's Not he's got a fine much. glove. But yeah. the, the best thing you can say about his bat this year has been he's got a fine glove. That's right. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.